This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Okay, you heard it. It's the sports reporters. We have assembled because it is Friday afternoon. A gorgeous Friday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Andrew Hammond, how is the weather up there in Detroit? Of uh, the Detroit oh, Free it's Press, beautiful. Andrew Hammond. It's beautiful out here. Uh, in the 70s, uh, I think it's going to top off at 70 today. So, no, it's uh, very, very good. I'm glad to hear it. I hope it's beautiful everywhere today because it's been a good week. We got good news from the CDC this week. Things are looking up. Things are looking up Millhouse, if you will. Uh, also <laughs> here, Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast up there in New York City. How is New York today, Bob? It's a lovely 71 degrees and sunny. It's a bright spring day here in Gotham, the Big Apple. Uh, I'm not doing like morning radio weather like the weather guy. But um, yeah, it's a nice day. Working hard for the man. What do you, what, you guys have this. any I'm big weekend excited. plans? Uh, I am going to be sitting quietly at home, finishing a long overdue story this weekend. So, and watch the last two Knicks games. So it's a real party time for me. I am street legal now, though. I am two weeks out of my vaccine, my second shot. So I'm raring to go, man. Hugging and kissing people all over the place. No, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm sitting at home doing some work, and then I'm going to watch the Knicks. There you go. There you go. Andrew, what about you? Uh, was going to go to the Tigers and Cubs game this mm. weekend, but I have a project that I will uh, talk to you guys about uh, post-show post mm-hmm. um, that I'm working on. So I'm going to spend my... Uh, Sunday uh, working on that. So yeah, little a little teaser for you guys, not the rest of the audience. So <laughs> who cares about them? Yikes! They missed you, Andrew. They Andrew were... Hammond's been cast in the third Ant Man movie, mm-hmm. uh, Quantum Mania. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And so he's got a he's, he's on a day rate, so he's going to be doing that. Basically, I'm... yeah. I'm trying to figure out what kind of tire situation Bob's going to deal with because my tire blew last Thursday night. Andrew blew this morning, but Bob doesn't drive and lives in New York City. So I don't know what tire do you you cycle at all, Bob? Somebody's going to throw a tire iron at him. Oh, I am am trying to get back into cycling. I have not consistently ridden a bike in uh, I'm going to need both fingers, both hands and feet to count all the years. A, a long time since I was living abroad when I was bicycling everywhere. 
Uh, but my significant other, she's from Canada, you guys wouldn't know her, is been encouraging me to start biking places in lieu of taking the subway. We were a couple, we were that couple that, you know, uh, got in on the tulip frenzy and bought bicycles when it looked like who knows when the New York City transit system would get back in gear. Um, but she's encouraging me for health and exercise to bike again. So I ha- we we have a, we have an e bike, as you should. A what bike? An an e bike, an electronic bicycle. Like is that is it what it sounds like? It's like a Peloton. What it, what it, what is the situation? No, Jesus Christ, Chase. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it is a bicycle. Mm-hmm. It is not a moped or a motorcycle. It is still a bicycle. You have to pedal it, but over the course of pedaling it, you will build up a certain amount of energy. So if you need to say go up a hill for a long stretch, mm. you have an actual motor attached to the bicycle, which will really? to help. Yeah. Huh. It really, from bicycling experts and for those who are used to doing long bike trips, like the pedaling assisted stretches with the motor where normally you'd be dying and your muscles would be screaming out in pain no longer exist. It is quite, quite, quite delightful, I've been told. So maybe it'll blow a tire. Okay. I like it. I like it. Well, I would just take a week off, Bob. I wouldn't do it next week based on bad things happen in threes. I bad juju in the wheel world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of bad juju, the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm so mad at them for beating the Knicks. I know <laughs> it is Knicks hour on the Chase Thomas podcast, but that game made me mm-hmm. mad. That made me mad both on and offline. Ugh, freaking blew it. Do Nitty you want to? Do, do, do you want it, Bob? Do you want a good laugh? Sure. Uh, any Duke fan? We'll tell you that that last R.J. Barrett shot. Yeah. What do you think we saw in 2019? <laughs> like, that... <laughs> it was a broken play. He maybe could have slipped the ball to Taj Gibson rolling to the hoop for a second, but the the, the, the Lakers defended that well. That was not... Seen it. Not to be a Duke I, apologist, but that was not R.J. Barrett's it, fault. It, 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 no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't, but just know that Duke fans have seen that play before. So the fact that he just kind of also he was doing that a little bit last year, too. Yeah. Um, only in regulation, you know, like not like in a desperate. Uh, RJ Barrett is shooting 44% from three point range since the All Star break. No one denies is, this. Look, as much as I would is. like to celebrate in Duke fans' misery, I will not allow for too much RJ Barrett slander on the pod here, fellas. No, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Um, no, you know what? Good for the Knicks. <laughs> and, 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 and I say this in all That's sincerity. some pity support no, from no, Andrew no, no, Hammond no, 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 there, folks. No, I say this in all sincerity. Like, good for them for actually getting on the right track with something. Because, you know, they've done this before, but then James Dolan finds a way to just, you know, piss it all away. Like, he, he was like, oh, well, let me... It's like it's like it's like a child driving. Like you don't want to put your eight year old behind the wheel, but the eight year old wants to steer the wheel. No, don't let the eight year old steer the wheel. You keep James Dolan away from things just enough, and I think there's a little. They success. did do that. They have, and James Dolan got so frustrated at not being able to to stick his grimy fingers into the Knicks that he totally he went to the Rangers. Rangers. <laughs> Yeah, he went to the Rangers. He was like, for 
a good 15 years, James Dolan owned the Rangers and yet really didn't pay too much attention to them. Although there was one instance where he um, went to the locker room and started bugging a player from Norway about why he didn't come see his band while the band was playing in Norway. Uh, I think that was the extent of James Dolan's meddling with the Rangers. Um, And uh, (laughs) yeah, but not being able to meddle with the Knicks, he just fired everybody. After I needed to fire after, somebody. After an understandably subpar but still vaguely promising season, he decided that improvement was not happening quickly enough and fired beloved longtime Rangers announcer and former player and fairly universally respected throughout hockey, according to hockey knowers that I've I've heard from John Davidson. Yeah, why? Why? Because he got bored. He got angry and bored that he wasn't able to dicky around with the Knicks, and so the Rangers were right there for him to play with. God, he is just the worst. He's very bad. He's very bad. I mean, look. Aside from being a, a, there are a whole. Again, I think we've talked. We we've we've hashed this out on the pod before. But there are a whole litany of things that James Dolan has done that have absolutely nothing to do with whether the Rangers and the Knicks and for a brief period there the Liberty were any good or not. That make him a uh, a human being who who could be worthy of contempt. Let's say. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. ServiceNow digital workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only half the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow. Which brings us back to the Lakers and their Lakers mm-hmm. and their playing game status. I I have to say I'm worried about Marv Albert guys. So this is only tangentially about the Lakers. Mm. The Are we going to combine Chris Webber into this conversation? No, we'll get there in a sec though. But Marv and Reggie were calling the game the other night, and, <laughs> which is already a bad for opening sentence, but. Marv was doing this thing where he was trying to tease the upcoming HBO Showtime series about um, the, the the Lakers and, you know, the fact that Adrian Brody is paying Pat Riley and John C. Riley is playing Jerry Buss and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I just it was the first time I think I'd heard Marv call the game in a while. And he just sounded he's just sounded uh, that he he had lost a couple of miles per hour off his fastball. 
is how I would put it. I think maybe he can be done with this now. It's up to him. I'm perfectly, perfectly willing to sit through a kind of washed Marv Albert over about 95% of the play-by-play guys in the NBA, but that, Whoa. after not hearing him for a while, that was a little upsetting. How old is Whoa. he? <sighs> not going to do really? ages, but... No, I'm just curious. I'm, I, I really He's don't He's got to be, I'd say maybe 78, something like that. Very close. He's a, he will turn... He'll turn uh, 80 not, this year. He will turn 80. Holy crap. On June 2nd. What will his toupee Good. turn? Marv Albert got his start doing Knicks games on the radio, and he was his mentor was Marty Glickman. <laughs> for, all you, for all you old-time sports play-by-play guys, we'll know about mad Marty Glickman. But Marv Albert's been at this for a while, guys. Bob, do you think he wears a toupee? Yeah, he wears a toupee. That's not his real hair. Come on. I know, I'm joking. The thing is like someone cut off a crow's wing and stapled it to his head. <laughs> it's been terrible for, for 30 years now. Do you remember when Cowherd dyed his hair when he first moved to Fox Sports? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You Dude, gotta look at it. I remember seeing this on the internet. There was a brief period where suddenly a bunch of FS1 personalities, their hair suddenly got a lot more thick and luscious. You no, 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 Bob, Bob, you're being nice about it. Nick Wright's I, hair came back. So did Whitlock. Whitlock had a had a mop top, like a like a, basically like a. It was a, very. All I'm saying is he had a scrub pad on his head. There was a lot of hair regrowth during a very short wasn't period. There like, wasn't there a commercial, or wasn't there like a like a big sponsor for like hair growth on that on that show, or like on on all their shows? If there, yeah, and no, that's, that's what kind of ended up happening. Like I was like, why is everybody getting? Why is everybody getting basically getting hair jobs now? And I, then, look, let me let me say this. I understand. Look, granted, I don't know, I don't work in TV. So that's an uh, additional pressure. But I understand being vain and even, say, sad about hair loss as a men's. Speaking as a men's, you know, my hair is still pretty good. There are some, they're like, my, my troops are retreating in parts of the battlefield. And I, and <laughs> I don't you. think, I don't think my, like Napoleon, we're going to be able to win a land war in, in, in Russia. But, uh, you know, I still got a good head of hair for my age. And I am grateful for that, knock on wood. But if I were completely bald at this point, that would bug me. And if there were a treatment that would allow me to get away with it, or even not really get away with it, I don't know if I had the funds that I would say no. I really don't. I think that that might be an okay thing. I think the fact that it all happened in a very short period of time was hilarious, but I understand the motivation for Nick Wright and Jason Whitlock. Both of whom, though, I don't know if you get to then pull the no, I'm not wearing a hairpiece line. That was kind of funny. That was, oh my God. Because, like, I've, for, I'd say, for basically the majority of my life, Whitlock has had a fade or, you know, if he's going to go bald, he was, it was one of those things where like when he went to ESPN and he was starting to go bald a little bit, he just decided to go bald. Yeah. So I was like, I think. Yeah. 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 And it's like, okay, 
I get it. Like my dad kind of, you know, it's like, hey, he just he would just naturally go bald. Like he could grow hair, but it was one of those things where it's like, I'm just gonna go bald because, well, I'm not gonna fight the the battle that's coming, you know, three four years down the road. But like when I saw Jason Whitlock with that terrible Brillo pad on his head, I thought it was like I thought it was like a hat. Or it was like he's wearing a hat or something. I, I, I was like, is something wrong with the TV? And then I saw like a picture of it, and I'm just like, why? Like why? And then Nick Wright, who yeah, I've, who, who I've known who I've known for a while, has always been bald, and all they, of a sudden maybe, he maybe has they got hair a two now? for one deal. Who knows? What? Maybe. It's like do do do. Do bad opinions come with the hair once you go to Fox? Like <laughs> Jesus Christ! I am, I am willing to. I am willing to say. All, I'm willing to unleash all kinds of terrible takes in exchange for hair regrowth. Right. That is, that's the oh devil's my bargain. God, it is strange. <sighs> I listened to him on Tom Haberstroh's podcast this week because I don't really know much about him, and I don't watch Talking Heads on sports stuff during the day, and I don't. Proud of up- you. It's just a waste of time. Like it's a gigantic. I, I can't. I, I'm it interrupts with your steady diet of King and King of Queens episodes. Well, hold on, Bob. Hold on. We don't have to go at King of Queens here. We do not have to bring. We don't have to. And no. it's a delightful but show. Did. did you know no. that they had a Instagram post today about like the? I think oh. it might be 14 years since the series finale. Uh, what a show! It's been 14 years since the series finale. Jesus, I feel old. I know. I know. Kevin, oh, speaking, speaking of bald guys, Kevin James is now bald. Speaking of feeling old, there mm. was a <laughs> there was an announcement that uh, came out today about the the lineup for this year's Riot Fest in Chicago. And let me tell you, it is hitting my demographic right in the goddamn feels. It is. Oh is, God! Please tell is, me the lineup. Let me let me read some names for you. This year's Riot Fest will include. Nine Inch Nails. Okay. The Pixies. Okay. Devo. Wait, excuse me? Devo. Jesus. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. So basically this is 1992? That's right. Dinosaur Jr. Oh my god, this is 1992. Gogol Bordello. The Circle Jerks. <laughs> oh my and god, it is 1992. Fishbone. Are you and... You're going to have some cross colors on, Bob? Yeah, and let me tell you this. Not only is Faith No More playing, oh my but god. Mr. Bungle 2. Both of Oh his, my god. Both of his vanity projects at the same time, Faith No More and Mr. Bungle. So are you you're going, correct? I, I'm I am tempted to go to Chicago, put on some camo cargo shorts, and just rock out. You you better go and wear a dream team uh oversized t shirt. Yeah. Because y'all can go together. 19- Chicago and Detroit are not that far apart, correct? Yeah, but it depends on like when it's happening. Um but that yeah, no, is I, I do plan September on September 17th through the 19th. I am September 17th through the 19th? Yeah, September yeah, 17th. That, yeah, that's that, that's a no-go because uh, football season. 
Uh, I, I, Speaking I, of, I'm also going to Bonnaroo, which I believe is September. It's, it's, it, that's in Chicago. No, uh, September. No, 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 no. Bonnaroo is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. What didn't what, didn't it used to be like in the summer, but then they moved it or yes. something like that? Yeah, probably because it was also, too hot and people are tripping way too much in the heat and not staying hydrated and maybe so. Funny story about Bonnaroo. I was actually supposed to go in 2010. Uh, and then I had an internship and then the weekend I was like, oh, hey, they actually might let me off to to go to Bonnaroo with my friends because we were going to take like a big like RV. Um, and then Nebraska left the uh, left the Big 12. And yeah, I didn't sleep much for the next week. <laughs> it's always Nebraska. They Chase, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you some links to some Mr. Bungle songs because oh, I'm. I, I get the feeling that you have not. This is not a band you know about and have felt in your bones. You no. know what's funny about it, Bob, is that like you're naming off these bands, and I'm like, oh my god, I remember seeing these bands on like my first like when I was young and watching MTV in like '93, '94. Yep. I like the, the when I got the concept of shapes and colors and movement, um, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh yeah, like you were naming off all these bands, and I'm like. This is some 1992 ass bullshit. Wait, Andrew, how old are you? I am 32. I turned 32 April 5th. Okay, you're only so, two years older like, than me. That's what I was wondering. So, like, I'm I know, like, I'm super, I'm super, like, not old school, but like, I have a decent memory of like watching, like, so, like, when Beavis and Butthead was on. Like, I remember watching that and, like, laughing, and the mom was like, you can't watch Beavis and Butthead. It's <laughs> like, oh. And I was, like, five, six years old, but I'm the type that's, like, I was, you know how, like, kids are, like, two, three years old, and they can, like, work a, like, a, a an, an iPhone or, or, or a tablet, like, with just precision? I was doing that with the remote. It's very disturbing. My it is. It my is. My seven-year-old nephew my seven-year-old nephew knows exactly how to, like, fire up all the bells and whistles on any smartphone. I, I, I'm as a matter, restrict my kids. The the name of it is being called like it's it. There's a, this is a phenomenon. It's referred to as being digital native. The technology that you grow up with as a child, somehow through osmosis, you possess an innate understanding of how to operate it and make it function in ways that we olds, sorry. Will struggle to do. That makes sense. That 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 actually makes some makes some sense. Um, but yeah, like it's just when you're naming off all these bands, I'm like, um, it, who who's the headliner for Bonnaroo? Riot, yeah, over oh, Riot Fest. Actually, yeah, Riot Fest and Bonnaroo. I think Bonnaroo Meg the Stallion. I feel like Riot Riot Fest is leading off with with bands that. Some of which I'm I'm not as big a a fan of the the lead acts. And the, the this first is Nine Inch Nails, which okay. shouts to Trent Reznor. And but you then mean, it's like you mean Academy Award winner Trent Reznor? He's an Emmy that. away from being an EGOT. That Come is on. impressive. The uh, animal guy is gonna get an EGOT. There you go. It's Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins, and Run the Jewels are oh. the three top. Mm. Okay. So like so smashing, but Billy Corgan's been canceled, so I didn't want to mention. Wait, has he? Yeah, 
He's got some bad takes. Oh, well, yeah, he's running well, a professional wrestling promotion right now. Well, yeah, uh, and that's where some of the bad takes showed up. <laughs> um, that show, but, but, but that let's, show is but really, really bad. Please, but, folks, but do let's not watch keep it a power. Oh, it, it, you know what? It worked for a little bit. Then Jim Cornette decided to open his uh, big fat mouth and thinking that he was running Mid-South in the 80s again. No, Jim, that it doesn't work like that. Uh, run the jewels. I got beef with uh, with Killer Mike. So, yeah, I'm good on that. You got beef with Killer Mike? You know who else? Atlanta legend Killer Fest? Mike. Killer Mike is hip hop Emmanuel Lacho. Wow. Oh, wow. That's a deep cut. If you think about it, it's accurate. I just want to say that in, I didn't even notice this when I first glanced at the poster. And that's to my, and, I, and I'm feeling bad about that now, but Guar is playing. At <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine, you know, like these days, you know, basically parents will take their like, seven seven to like 12 year old kid and like yeah this is the music i grew up on they become like and those kids become super <laughs> yeah guar's gonna like scar an entire Jimmy, generation. it's odorous urunga <laughs> oh man you know what I mean, the visual for that actually might be worth going there was on campaign years ago, to try to get Gwar to play the to be the band for the Super Bowl. It didn't work, but Gwar was. <laughs> That's actually very very funny. <laughs> I would look. Gwar should be the act for the Super Bowl. No one denies this. It is absolutely the kind of like peak Weimar era decadence that this country deserves. Like Gwar is our most American band. I feel like we need to get Gwar and like the most like ratchet hip hop. <laughs> just Trillville, yes. Guar and Trillville doing the halftime show together. I a la, show. A, a, a la the MTV halftime show with like NSYNC, uh, Britney Spears, and all of them. Like this, a large ensemble performance of just absolute. What is going on here? Yeah, I would watch that. I would tune in for that more than whatever happened when. There was the meme of the guy getting lost this year that I didn't entirely. Oh, the weekend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, if I would prefer Gore shooting all kinds of disturbing fluids at members of the audience during the Super Bowl halftime show, I feel like that would send a message about where we are as a species right now. That would be good for me. In any also, case. you don't have to care. I don't understand this whole thing. Like, I, I don't care about the Super Bowl halftime show. I don't care about any of this. People get really upset. I'm like, I have not watched a Super Bowl halftime show. So no, you don't have to care. But it's mm-hmm. one of the rare moments where everyone is, and this is also stupid, but everyone is tuned into the exact same thing at the exact same time. And those kind of shared cultural moments, I think, are important, even if they're ridiculous. I think that's okay. I think it's okay that people tune in to watch the halftime show because they want to see it. Oh, I said it's okay. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that, like, me personally, it would be feigning interest or feigning. I don't think anyone cares. I don't. I think you're. No, really people do. I Absolutely. I was at a Super Bowl really... party this year and people cared. <laughs> yes. Mm. Mm. I absolutely yeah, will tell you that people care. You and I. Okay. Yes, maybe it's a different perspective, but I've noticed that people do care and people would. 
but it's a generational thing though. Maybe that's it's a, yeah. it's a it's a, it's a, it's a generational thing because like I was maybe one of like maybe 18% of black people in America that were kind of excited the who was performing at the Super Bowl because one the who kicks ass. Um but yeah, like everybody's like I don't want to see them old dudes on stage and then we got to see um you know Pete Town basically Pete Towns and shirt was not fitting. Um, and so people got to see, you know, old man belly button, um, which was hilarious. Uh, it, 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 yeah, like that's the thing, like about the Super Bowl halftime show, like that we remember and like how everything is a viral moment now or tries to be a viral moment now. Like I, I miss when you could just enjoy the performance but now it's like we're all searching for. Oh, there's the there's the next meme. There's the next meme. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Like the weekend, basically, it was just all cocaine and vibes. Um, that sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, it was. Yeah, it was like that's all it was. It was like I mean, I I felt nothing from it, and I was more in the mode of, all right, let's. Let's get this over. Let's see if Mahomes can come back. Like it, there are some times where the Super Bowl halftime performance is a good break and you can enjoy it, but then sometimes it's just kind of like, all right, hurry up, just hurry up, let's get out of here. Which naturally brings us to Chris Weber um, <laughs> being removed from TNT. Do you think this was like a mutual decision, like they're claiming, or do you think he was actually just like let go? Based on no actual knowledge, um, it didn't seem like Chris Weber seemed to enjoy doing that job. No, it, I, I have a feeling he was fine with it. I could be wrong. I wouldn't want to take that job. It's not a very fun job. It's a hard job. It's not easy. It's hard to do well. As many <laughs> as many Reggie Millers have shown, <laughs> it's not an easy job to do well. Um, who's the best? It's who's the best play by? No, Honestly, the color commentary. Who's the best? Com- I know play-by-play is Breen. Are we sticking to basketball? Is this just yeah, a just basketball NBA. thing? Yeah, just NBA. Mm-hmm. That's mm. Mm. if you don't say Doris Burke, I'll bleep it out. No, 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 no. Here's the thing, mm-hmm. Doris. Yes, but in terms of who I can listen to, mm-hmm. call I could listen to. These two guys call a middle school game, and I'd be interested. Actually, three people. Okay. Candace Parker, mm-hmm. Jim Jackson, mm-hmm. Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, like Steve Smith, like, Steve Smith during the tournament uh, was, was really solid. Uh, Jim Jackson's Jim, really good. Jim Jackson and I forgot the guy who does the Phillies uh, – Phillies broadcast, but those two, no, it was, um, no, it was Avery Johnson and the Phillies broadcaster. Um, <laughs> Avery Johnson's Avery Johnson. Here's the Avery Johnson is great on TV because one, he's himself. He's not trying to, you know, be too professional. Certainly not. No, but it, and it's coach speak. Like it's, it's it's like sitting down breaking down film with a coach. 
Like, best, that's what it's, it's like with a... The vagina. answer is actually still Hubie Brown, but it's okay that, that you guys have others. Hubie... He, I love I don't Hubie, hate that, yeah. But Hubie just... You were talking about it's the a, fastball. He's been doing... Look, it's exact... Hubie's been doing the exact same thing for 25 years. I can understand I people tired of it. It's, but it's still Hubie for me. My uncle met him I, I love passively. it when he switches into the second person. Like, okay... You're Tim Duncan. You know you can get to your spot at the nail at any time you want. And I'm like, I am. I can. I can do this. Um, and, you know, and he, the, but Hubie treating every single NBA player like a delightful grandchild who just managed to eat uh, some mushed peas without spilling them over his shirt. To me, that's okay. Funny. Okay. He does. He, Who's he your del- favorite? Like duo, if you could have like your favorite favorite across all sports, who's your favorite duo? For me, it's probably still Herbie and Chris Fowler. Yeah, um, Herbie and Fowler are Herbie and Fowler doing the NFL better than anybody at all three networks, aside from Nance and Romo. In that week one game was pretty damn impressive. But once again, it's two people that have worked together for over 20 years. So it it meshes super, super well. Um, yeah, like Herbie and Fowler are solid. Uh, Billis and Shulman are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty solid. Like I look at it as... Can I listen to you call a game at, you know, in a in a half empty high school gym? Like that's what I that's what I that's kind of my measurement for are you are you a listenable broadcast? Like because there's some guys who are super, super humorous and, and, and like to crack jokes during games, which works, but then you have some that are just too like too basically wooden. Um but like yeah, like you know, Fowler and Herbie, like that Monday night game was so good. And I'm kinda glad they aren't on Monday night football. Um I I'm in the mine I'm a minority in the minority. Uh I don't think the the current crew is that bad. Like people want this like they want basically the second coming of you know Cosell, Gifford, and Meredith. That ain't happening. And once again, there's a generation like, who are those guys? <laughs> Man. Uh for me it's Gary, Keith, and Ron. Full stop. Oh, very, very easy. Very easy. That's easy. That's easy. Um, I'm I'm sorry. because uh, Mets game Mets games are often just painful and or excruciatingly dull or frustrating or some combination of the above. And the broadcast is, is you could not replicate what it is they do for any other broadcast crew or any other sport or any other team. I don't think. And again, that's a trio that's been together now for close, I think close to 15 years. It really just, it uh, both Darling and Hernandez are very smart about talking about the game itself and Hernandez is just a wild card because you never know exactly what he's going to say um, and it's delightful every single time 
time, there was a moment last, two weeks ago, I think, where Keith's iPad goes off in the middle of the game. And both Gary and Ron turn to him and say, what was that? Like, did you guys hear that? What was that? And Keith's like, yeah, that's my iPad. It's, it's all right. It's all right. And they're like, are you okay, Keith? And they go, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like, well, tell us what's wrong. <laughs> and Fernandez proceeds to tell this story about how he had a friend drop by his house tonight to feed his cat, Haji. But the... <laughs> But the friend uh, broke the key off in the door and couldn't get in, and now the front door is locked. And so they say, well, can't you get in the back door to get in the house? And Keith goes, no, no, I, I lost the key for that. I don't know. It's That's not working either. Yeah, I got a guy who's coming by. He's going to try to jimmy the lock without going to call a locksmith. He's going on about this whole story. And Gary Cohen says, well, Keith, uh, you know, if you need a place to stay tonight. And at that point, Dominic Smith hits a home run exactly in <laughs> sync with the Nick Castellanos, Tom Brenneman moment from last year. So he's going, well, Keith, I hope you have a place to stay tonight. If you're really in trouble, you can. And there's a drive deep to left field by Dom Smith. Way back, and that's out of here. Four nothing Mets. If you need a place to stay tonight, I'm sure that can be worked. Out. That is hilarious. No, I. My favorite thing about Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling is, I. Ron Darling on the TBS broadcast. I don't know if he's going to come back for he's the TBS broadcast. But yeah, fine. no, he's fine. But it's like he's not in his element. He's it's really not like. Thing. It like, doesn't work the same. He he's he is very good with with just him and Cohen when yeah. Hernandez gets a day off. It is not nearly as good as the three of them together. And Ron Darling, when he's put with a Turner play by play guy, Hernandez, I mean Darling is fine. You can absolutely yeah. listen to Darling Dar and Anderson are pretty solid. Yeah, uh, it, there's nothing wrong about it, but it, it does not reach nearly the same conversational heights. As it would like the other day during again, midday during a Mets game, the Mets Orioles game, Gary Cohen notices that Joan Jett is in the stands at City Field <laughs> wearing an Orioles hat. And he begins to tell a story about seeing the runaways at the Savoy Ballroom in 1980 and then downshifts into, oh, and Kristen Stewart did a wonderful job playing Joan Jett in the movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joan Jett's still here, queen of rock and roll, looking great, wearing the Elaine Bennis Orioles hat. And then he goes back to calling the action. Like, that level of digression <laughs> was just, wait, what? <laughs> it's, it's, it, to me, it is, it is what makes... I honestly can say that if Gary Keith and Ron were not continuing to call the Mets, I would probably, I would probably have stopped watching Mets games because they're, they're usually very bad and they make me feel sad inside. So, but those knowing that those guys are just going to be around for three hours as background conversational noises, it seals the deal. What are you? What are your opinions on Rex Hudler? Yeah, yeah, like it, it'll get worse. Like. His spine works, but guys being dudes too much. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine in small doses. Look, I, I am I am very prickly about the kind of announcers I like. I've even said, and I know I should be excommunicated for this, that I've grown weary of Clyde Frazier's shtick with the Knicks. I like, haven't it, watched a Knicks game like on like MSG or like you know the yeah. uh, NBA League Pass. I haven't done 
a league pass thing since like 2018. Because really, I just haven't really had time. No reason to watch the Knicks for the last eight years, right? Years. Because well, that that and the Knicks, you know, suck. So it was like, oh, do I want to watch a Knicks game tonight? No, I'd rather, uh, you know, like talk to my family or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like like Clyde's great, and Clyde's a New York institution. I feel like he has um, put it on autopilot for at least for a long time. And I think, look, if you were just tuning in to one or two Knicks games to get the Clyde Frazier experience, it is fine and good and fun. And you can understand entirely why he is so universally beloved. But on a regular basis, you, I can predict exactly what he is going to say before he says it at this point. I think it's kind of the same way for Bill Walton. Like Bill Walton is, is a delightful human being and awesome, and I love Bill Walton, but Bill Walton's shtick... Walton funny as hell. Walton like, funny as hell, but like, I think if I was listening to Pac-12 college basketball games every night, I would start... That would start to grate. You know, it, it, so here's the thing about Walton. You can... You know, you, you can take Walton in small doses, but the thing about Walton is... If you listen to a Bill Walton game, say, on a Thursday, and he's doing a game on Saturday, don't listen to it. Or, <laughs> or, or, or don't listen to it from the start. Like, hop in, like, midway through. The, the, and, thing, about, the thing from about Walton is, like, when he was doing NBC games in the late 90s, he was just, he was doing a trollish proto-cowherd. He was oh, he just, absolutely was. Right. And it was awful. I hated it. I hated it with a with the fire of a thousand suns. I was like, I don't want to listen to this person just spewing hyperbole because he thinks it's funny. I didn't like it. So it makes me question if when he says, but he was also more now. He he was also more analytical and critical then. Yeah, I, I just it makes me call into question whether or not the commentary he's offering now is <laughs> sincere, which is a which is not really the right term, because no one doing color commentary is doing anything sincere. It is a performance of some kind. It's all a performance of some kind. But which sucks. Right, which is fine. But like, And I know that Gary, Keith, and Ron are doing a performance. They do not if – if they were hanging out together and they happen to invite me along, which they absolutely should do, and you guys you know, call me. But if they were <laughs> hanging together, it would clearly not sound the conversation would be different than it would be for calling a Mets game. That is the, the nature, the nature of the medium changes the stylistic conversation. I know it is not, I am not authentically being let into three guys talking about the game they love. And so everyone is doing a performance. So talking about authenticity in and of itself is kind of a faux piste. If we can get fancy here for a second, but uh, with Walton, just because I've heard him play a different kind of character, it, a heel, if you will, uh, it makes me question the sort of d- uh, delightful, spiritual, uh, wavy gravy type that he's leaning into now. It makes it feel insincere. Well, the 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 one line that Bill Walton said that I will I will never forget, and it's the funniest thing ever, is they're calling the Pac-12 championship game in basketball, and I mean this is maybe two three minutes in. And there's a there's kind of a um, 
uh, like a, a light tussle underneath, you know, going for a ball as a jump ball or whatever. And Dave Pash is, you know, saying, oh, they're, they're you know, a referee stepping in to, to, to break things up. And Bill Walton's like, oh, let him go, you know. They, and he was actually kind of making a point in terms of, like, you know, letting him play it out in terms of, you know, he thought the referee stepped in a little too early. Um, and Dave Pash um, kind of said, eh, yeah, you might, you might have a point there, you know, let basically kind of let him sort it out. But what Dave Pash kind of led into was Bill Walton saying, Hey Dave, you ever been in a Turkish prison before? <laughs> and for like, and it's, it's just, a, it's it, a line from airplane. I, no, 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 no. It, no, it wasn't, um, no, it wasn't. Have you been to a Turkish prison? It was. Have you ever visited a uh, a prison waiting room? That's what it was. Well, and and he's like, yeah, no. that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Don't do that. It was, it was like what? But the thing is, it's like the th- the thing I like about Walton is he can give you some, uh, he'll give you some decent play-by-play analysis, but then five minutes later, he's talking about like one of my other favorite lines from Walton was, uh, I'm going to, he was, it was right after Arizona, the whole, you know, Nike scandal. Um, when Arizona's portion came out, like the day before they were going to play Oregon or something, or, uh, they were going to play UCLA and Walton's doing an Oregon game that night. And he's like, I'm gonna, I'm so mad at what's going on. And I'm just like, of course, of course you are, Bill. You you were so mad that you were gonna ride your bike up a mountain because you were so angry that Sean Miller basically kind of <laughs> knew what was going on and didn't really do anything about it. Uh, that's uh, also that's another funny situation that Arizona kind of dealt with. Uh, <laughs> knowing what's going on and then it, Sean Miller just shows up to the office one day and they're like, oh crap, you're still here? Yeah, oh, we might need to do something about that. Um, so, yeah. Alright, well, we'll have to leave it there on this Friday mm-hmm. afternoon, guys. Do you have anything you would like to plug as we wrap up here on a beautiful Friday afternoon? Bob, anything for you? Nah. <laughs> Andrew, yourself? Um, Not right now. Maybe in a few weeks or so. Okay, okay. Well, don't forget, folks, if you like listening to Andrew and Bob and myself talk, I guess, quotation mark, sports, quotation mark, every single Friday afternoon on this very podcast. Subscribe. Chase is really leaning into the NPR All Things Considered voice right. in today's episode. If you like listening <laughs> to the Chase Thomas podcast, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution. <laughs> this is the Chase Thomas podcast with your guests, Robert Silver <laughs> and Andrew Hammond. <laughs> Right, you heard it. It is the Atlanta Sports Guys because you know it is Friday afternoon. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am one of those Atlanta Sports Guys that we do this very podcast every single Friday afternoon, where I'm joined by the number one ranked Garrett Chapman. <laughs> hey, oh, 
<laughs> Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. I hope you are. Are you I'm, still up in Knoxville? I am still up in Knoxville. I, I'm staying uh, for a little bit. Yeah, I, I finished up school, so I'm halfway done with my master's degree. Um, Congrats. Here at UT. So that's that's cool. But yes, I will be in Knoxville for the summer. I think I'm going to make my way through Atlanta again, I think in two weeks, because we're going to go to Jacksonville uh, to see some family. So nice. And I want to go to the beach and see if I can get a tan. Like uh, we're gonna see if the, <laughs> the pale warrior can uh, get a little bit of a base going. So where see, we're I've never been able to do that. That's never been one of my strong suits. Well, that's because you have red hair, as we've been over on this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have absolutely no idea where that came from. That that, that still blows my mind, Max. I, I don't. Th- I don't think you were on that that one. I think we were on with Kelsey that that mm. week, but we did. That's just sort of a universal truth, though. I don't have red hair, though. <laughs> Max, he has red hair, right? I don't have red hair. I mean, it looks like it in the picture. See, brutal. I'm offended. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send screenshots. I'm gonna send like uh, selfies of myself. Not... No, I mean honestly, I think you need to do a poll, a Twitter poll. Put up a picture of yourself, or use the one on your display picture on this very call, and see what people vote. And then that's ultimately what you are. People decide what your hair color is. If you thought it was yourself. You were wrong. You were mistaken. <laughs> brutal. Brutal. But hey, at least you can see color because I am colorblind. I am actually the most severe colorblind you can be. Did you know that? Hey, my little brother's also colorblind. Is he? Yeah. And you're not. And I'm not. As That's far as I rare. know. <laughs> He's the only one in my family. Well, I don't know, man. Now it's starting to make more sense. The fact that you can't see your own color and your own hair. <laughs> I think you're going to want to do the number test. I'll send it to you. And if you can't I'll, find we'll a, do number, a poll. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of Atlanta stuff we got to talk about, guys, because I don't really know. We can we can figure it out. Garrett, you're number one in the power. Do you rather start with the Braves, the Falcons, or the Hawks? Let's do the playoff-bound Hawks. Okay. You want to go optimistic. You're more of the optimistic. Absolutely. Like yeah. <laughs> Let's keep it happy, you know, start happy. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, they're they're killing the game right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they, they're they what? Uh, I was just looking at 22 and 8 or something or not. What is it? 28 and 12 under Nate McMillan since he's mm-hmm. since he's taken over. Uh, I mean, this team is it's white hot. I think they're six out of they've won six out of seven. Yes, they haven't really played anybody that that good. But at the same time, who cares? They can take care of business. They rested all of their starters in the fourth quarter uh, last night. That was a great sight to see. They just took care of business, washed their hands of the dream or the, the, the magic rather. I don't know why I said the dream. <laughs> I think a, an ad just flashed across my, uh, my, my screen right here, but they took care of business and uh, they rested all start all the starters by the, uh, the fourth quarter. And look, that's a good thing for the Hawks. I mean, they're going to be rested going into the playoffs. I'm excited for it. Max, Playing good basketball. What about you? Are you still on your yeah. Eastern conference champion? Atlanta whoa, whoa, whoa. I never I never predicted that, but but it's it's more in play now than it's ever been. Really. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's it's true. They haven't really played anyone good uh, lately, but the last time they played good teams, they were beating good teams. They beat the Suns. Uh, they beat the Bucks. They beat the Heat all in the span of about a week. Um, and then they got this kind of easy, easy schedule. Um, and, and it's like they're just finding ways to win, whereas at the beginning of the year they were finding ways to lose. And that might be sort of an overly simplified way of saying it. But um, I think that's reflected sort of in the fourth quarter performances. I mean, Wednesday's game, uh, second night of a back-to-back against the Wizards, um, it's just one of those games they kind of had no business winning. Like, they didn't play well. 
Um, and and yet, you know, fourth quarter, they turned it on. John Collins hits the big three. And yeah, it was without Bradley Beal. That Wizards team is kind of dreadful. But, um, you know, they lost a lot of those games early in the year. Um, and so they're just peaking at the right time. And I don't know if now is a good, a good segue into your prediction that they're going to get swept by the Heat, especially now that it's like... <laughs> Looks like the Heat is going to be the the matchup, um, but I just I you know I, I just think they're that's such a credit to Nate McMillan that they are just finding ways to win all over the place where whereas they were finding ways to lose. I am terrified, and I'm also just very annoyed that we're not going to get the Knicks in round one because if we got the Knicks, I think it's just a a flip of the coin how that series goes. The Heat just there's no flipping; it's a it's a loss, and it's going to be a painful painful quick loss. Um, I I fear. I'm not hoping this is the case, but that is. Can, can you elaborate on that? McMillan is can you elaborate be on so that? Bad. I I'm so concerned about what Eric Spolestra is going to do to Nick Millen in this playoff series. Um, I think it was Garrett who went back on the podcast last week on uh just Nate McMillan's playoff record, and he hasn't won a playoff series since when? They, uh since the he was with the SuperSonics in yes. like 2004. It's something like that. It's a really really bad playoff history for nate and he's been it's yeah, not like it was yeah. a one-time thing no he's he's been in a lot and it's been bad and spo is a top three coach in basketball and what he did last year is just insanity and them losing old depot i think is actually going to help them with the way they're playing especially tyler hero really has played of late because i think he didn't really fit mid-season and he wasn't playing like himself and now they can give goran more of more of those shots and more like him off the bench has just been critical. And I don't even know what the Hawks are going to throw at Goran off the bench. Um, they're going to have Jimmy, who is going to be the best player in the series. They're going to have the second best player in the series in Bam. I I just think this is a matchup disaster for the Hawks. See, I, I, I'm not as worried about Nate McMillan as I am just the utter lack of experience with the Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, because you, once you have playoff basketball, it's a different animal. It's a completely different monster, and this is—I mean, this team is. Uh, how many playoff games have, has anybody on this roster played? I mean, Clint Capella played in a couple when he was with the Rockets. Uh, I don't know if Bogdanovich has he ever played in the playoffs. I, I can't imagine. No, he hasn't. Because I mean, can't he's imagine he's played with the before, Kings. So no, in the Kings, yeah. Have the so Lou Will in basketball. Lou Williams, yeah, he played, had some had some with the, with the he's Clippers. Also been bad. He's a vet. Can't say the they've been very very good playoff games. I was going to say Lou Williams is one of the worst yeah. playoff basketball players in basketball. <laughs> So that's really what I'm worried about. But at the same time, that's also one thing I'm kind of excited about because you really don't know what these guys are going to turn into. And it's, and it's just an unknown factor. Have you um, watched so, Trevor Ariza lately? Trevor Ariza? He's been really good for Miami. Who? Like, what? Trevor Ariza's Whoa. good for Miami. Now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Trevor, what? <laughs> Trevor Ariza is an important player for Miami now. That's what yeah, I'm did saying. you see Solomon Hill? Solomon Hill's been looking good too. Oh, I too. love Solomon Hill. You don't have to oh, yeah, that's my man. I love Solomon Hill. Trevor Ariza, though. Come on now, he's great. <laughs> Trevor Ariza. What are we? What are, what are we talking about? Trevor Ariza has been really quick good. Solomon, them, quick Solomon Hill note. Um, how about Nate taking Trey off the floor at the end of Wednesday's game, offense for defense with Solomon Hill, <laughs> who of course ends ends up with the key rebound, gets fouled, makes both his free throws while Trey's on the bench. That was that was a savvy little move. Do you think Lloyd Pierce could have pulled that off? Absolutely not. No. No. Yeah. No. Lloyd Pierce. No. No, yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce would have made would have found a way to make the wrong decision somehow. <laughs> it's what he always managed to do. It just still blows my mind how he took this team and just ran it so far into the ground. And it is just so utterly apparent at this point. So but off, as of right off now. Of a, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, as yeah, of, I was just going to say okay. off of off of a. <laughs> 
off the point about um, Solomon Hill, Trey subbing out, uh, Nate McMillan, all of that, I think, and Chase, you were starting to touch on this, and I'm not sure if this is where you're going here, but um, the thing that concerns me most about the Heat series is not, you know, Nate McMillan's history or the lack of experience, although those are all factors. I, I think Spo might be one of the best coaches um, in the league at being able to target teams' weaknesses and going at them. And that's what concerns me because the Hawks, you know, for, for as well as they're playing, they're a team with pretty clear weaknesses. Um, and the ways that they are going to attack, oh, I don't know, Trey um, defensively is going to it's going to stress me out probably the whole series because you're not going to be able to hide him if if the Heat are playing. You know, you don't really want him running, chasing around Duncan Robinson all game, but like that might be kind of where he's at. Well, then Duncan's torching us. Like that's not going to work. Trey's not going to be Michigan, able to these Michigan screens. legend Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm. Well. I just want to see. I just want to play the Knicks, man. I mean, I'm. Same. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. <laughs> play the Knicks because mostly because I want to go to Madison Square Garden and watch a playoff basketball game and cheer on my Hawks as they beat the New York Knicks. That would be a great feeling. I really want that to happen, but I, <laughs> I'm just not convinced that they're going to be able to do it. I think both the Heat and the Knicks are playing the Bucks, um, and I don't think either of those teams win, especially with the Bucks who are trying to to position themselves to take over that two seed if possible. So, man, it's it just it's such a bummer that we're going to play the Heat. I mean, I've yeah, I of course want the Knicks too, but um, but my perverse take is that it would maybe be better for the Hawks if they played the Heat because, you know, if you play the Knicks and lose that series, then it's a disappointment. If you play mm-hmm. the Heat and lose that series, let's say in six, it's like, you know, you played a red-hot uh, defending Eastern Conference champion in the 4-5 and lost a six-game series, and so what? Like, great season, uh, building on it for next year. And, like, if they're going to lose in the second round anyway, <laughs> is that not, in kind of a weird way, a better outcome? Hmm. I also wonder what happens. Like, do they have to go six or seven for Nate to keep his job and not uh, have the interim table uh, interim tag still on him? Like, how does it how does it have to go? Well, I mean, as long I think as long as he doesn't get just absolutely blown out. Like, mm-hmm. if the Hawks go out there and just get destroyed, then people maybe start to be eh, okay. Like, is this really the the position that we need to go? But I also think it's a little unfair. I mean, I think he's done everything that he he needs to do to get that interim tag taken off. But I, I think they do want to see what he does in the playoffs. And as long as we don't get swept, which I don't think we will. Um, Can you imagine maybe if we go in five was predicting a sweep? <laughs> I don't think we get swept. We're not getting swept. I, we're too good of a team to get swept. In my opinion, plus it's a four five. I mean, the four five is generally one of the best series of the, of all of like, at least the entirety of the first round. Um, all these other matchups are, are probably going to be done in five games. I don't think the Bucks, Nets, or Sixers are going to lose any more than one game. They're just by far and away the best teams in the Eastern Conference. This four five is, I mean, honestly, it's it's probably it has to be the best matchup, right? Right. So uh, I, I think I think this game goes six, at least six. Um, but I don't want to completely lock in on the Heat yet because I'm still holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. I wonder how Trey is going to react when he doesn't get the foul calls that he's looking for in the playoffs. I want to see how yeah. he adjusts. I because re- that's going to happen, and Trey's going to look for it. Trey's going to try and get guys on his hip and get those foul calls, and the Heat are not going to allow that to happen. Like that is the other thing. They are going to be so physical with Trey, with Herder, with Bogey, with Collins. Like I am curious to see how that goes. There's going to be. I mean, we just saw what Haslam did last night. Like this is going to be a physical series and I think Miami's going to foul and be blatant about it and be all over Trey and I'm just I'm curious to see how Trey responds to that 
Well, the Heat are also just a physical team. Right. And that's something, and I don't think that the, the Atlanta Hawks are, nece- they, the, the Hawks are a lot of things, but physical is not necessarily one of them. If no, you're not talking not at all, especially on the, I'm, I'm, at least on the perimeter uh, down low. I mean, Clint Capella can, he can rough it up with anybody. And I think he he's probably one of the best like tough guys in the league when it comes to, to like doing the dirty work and getting rebounds and getting up there and doing what he needs to do. But I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him at all. Um, what I'm worried about, like you said, is Trey because Trey has shown at times an inability to generate baskets if he isn't getting to the free throw line. Uh, and that has been a concern for a few games. I don't think it's been a massive concern throughout the entirety of the season because he is, I mean, he's putting up points. Um, and I still think he'll come up, but I mean, I'm a little worried that he might start trying to get a little too flashy because he's shown Mm -hmm. a habit of doing stuff like that, where he's going to pull up at the logo and, and take crazy shots trying to be Steph Curry and, and sink everything. I think, but he's been better since Nate McMillan has taken over. He's done a lot less of that. Um, he did a lot when he was with Lloyd Pierce, but I think that that really stems from the, the offenses, uh, like Lloyd Pierce's inability to get this offense in rhythm and flow. Uh, Lloyd Pierce has done, a, a, excuse me, Nate McMillan has done a lot better of a job at that. Uh, and so I think Trey has taken a lot fewer of those shots for that reason, but, I don't know, man. Trey, Trey is the play of Trey Young is going to decide how far this Hawks team can go. Interesting. I would say probably DeAndre Hunter's health and what he looks like and how much run he can get in this series. I think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's a degree to which, and I've been I've been harping on Hunter needs to get healthy. When Hunter gets healthy, that's going to save. That's going to salvage everything. Um. I think there's a degree to which these three guards have really started to play well together to the point where even if Hunter is healthy, um, he's obviously going to play a lot. But I think that there's going to be times when Nate doesn't want to disrupt that, um, especially with the way Bogdanovich is playing. And I know those those you know you can play Bogdanovich, Trey, and, and Hunter together, obviously. But uh, this team really has taken off since the Bogdanovich, Trey, Herder uh, crew um, has has gelled. And and Hunter, when he's played, obviously uh, hasn't looked very good because he's still getting his feet back and and i'm not sure he's going to be able to fully get back to his peak um at any point this year um and so yeah you, you need him for defense but if this type of talks team is going to win a series it's going to be because of the, because of the offense um and that's kind of why um building off of that like they're one of the the most sweep averse teams in the playoffs just because of how good this offense is it's just extremely unlikely they're going to go four games where they don't catch fire and win a game because they hit a million threes it's possible. It's possible. Um, the Braves, on a happier note, everything's great in Atlanta with the Atlanta Braves. Things are going well. Uh, no, they are not. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> when when do I get my my adoration, fellas, from being right about the Christian Pache and betting on all the young people spots and not paying anybody, not going after any veterans and just betting on the linear development of all of these guys. Is it time? No. no. <laughs> well, they... <laughs> he's still a rookie, man. He's played. He's been he hurt. He really should not be on this roster anymore this year. Like, Christian Pache should be banished to AAA and Gwinnett. He should be a striper <laughs> for the season. Like, it's over. It, the confidence, I am so terrified. Is he batting under 100 now? Like, it, he was so Whoa. bad in that Philly series. And I, <laughs> I want him to be awesome. But this was coming in when they're like, oh, we got Andrew Jones and Sinfield. I'm like, you're out of your mind. This dude is going to be lucky to hit 150 this year. Like, it, hitting the difference between AAA and Major League Baseball is just, 
you can't you can't understate it just how many young guys we're about to see with jared kalanick is it kilanick kilanick i always forget how to pronounce his name but it's very rare for guys to come in and immediately mash just very rare and you got to be a superstar type guy even acuna didn't come in this hot and i mean without acuna this season good lord i i don't even know where to go with that but yeah, I don't know. I think the Braves have to adjust and them going in and just betting on their young guys and betting, betting on their pipeline is just backfiring. Like they need more starting pitching help. They need more bullpen help. They need more outfield depth. They need just, they need more guys to hit. And I, I don't know, man, the Braves are actually in not like disaster zone, but like it, they have to make some moves. And I think the Mets are. The clear favorites. Now, I'm going to pull up Fangraphs at odds right now, but uh, what do you guys think? Garrett, you're the more optimistic of the bunch. Well, the most frustrating thing, I mean, just following the game yesterday was I went and looked and checked on Mark Melance and seeing how he's doing, and I nearly shoved my fist through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> the guys, I think the guy's like 17 of 17 for save opportunities, or 12 of 12 of save opportunities. Or something absurd. He has like a .63 ERA. He is just absolutely on fire. Ugh. And then Will Smith just blows it in the worst possible way. And God, it, this team, this team has been so frustrating, so unbelievably frustrating. And it's it's not because it's not a good team. It's not. It's not why. It's because this team is so good. They just can't figure it out. And it's a if it's not the starting pitching, it's the bullpen. And if it's not the bullpen, it's it's because the bats are asleep. And it's, if it's not the it's something. And it's been so frustrating to watch these guys. But there have been times where we've seen all of it come together at the same time. And this team goes out and beats the Cubs ten to nothing and just absolutely destroys them. Um, or they go out and hit multiple home runs in a first inning and drop nine runs. And it's it, it, but the thing is, this team is capable of doing that. They just haven't done it. And this bullpen has just been a, such a liability. They've, they, they've been a sieve for runs. They just give, they put bait runners on base. Ugh. And, and then you have Mike Soroka, who's injured. You have Freed, who's just now coming back. Smiley, who I still don't think is healthy. And, and I don't think he's just, he's just not right. Something's wrong. And, I mean, look, it's just frustrating. It's very frustrating to, see, to watch this team uh, because you know what they're capable of. We've seen what they're, they're capable of. Um, but the comments on Pache, Pache is kind of a, he's been very frustrating to watch too. I mean, but he's also a young guy. He's what, 22 years old. Yeah. But this is the problem when you're the, the timelines don't match up where like the Braves just were just a blown series away from being a world series team last year. Like they should have been a world series Mm -hmm. team last year. When you're on that contention timeline, you can't wait on Pache. You can't. If Adam Duval is healthy, the Braves are in the world series last year. Yeah. You also can't leave yourself in a position where you can't pivot off of Pache if it doesn't work out. Right. Um, which is kind of where they are. Just a stat on Pache, just to hammer it home. In 68 plate appearances, he has a negative 6 OPS+. Plus. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> oh, my God. 13 total bases. Those 13 total bases, the exact same number uh, Huascar, you know, you know, it has in 15 plate appearances. Um, so I guess that's kind of my, my long winded way of saying, uh, Oscar, you know, I should play center field, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's, Oscar, you know, is a stud, man. I love him. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's just as much about not, not leaving yourself in a position where you have options to pivot away from, like, let's say Austin Riley hadn't got hot, which he has sort of got hot. Um, 
and you didn't leave yourself a position to pivot off of Austin Riley. Pablo Sandoval is not a viable option to really pivot there. Um, and it's it's sort of the same thing now in center field. And it's like it really is starting to feel sort of like one of those years. Um, and we can sit here and lament injuries and, and all of that where it's like um, you can create excuses and reasons for everything. Um, but it's just sort of starting to feel like one of those years where like, man, if you every year with Acuna and, and Freeman together um, – specifically those two in their primes hitting like they are um or supposed to um it just feels like you got to capitalize as much as you can and and i'm i'm getting closer and closer to where where chase has kind of been all along i'm not happy to be right about this it's driving me insane watching these games i mean that when it's good it's great when it's bad it is so bad kind of what garrett alluded to but like I don't know. They're barely a playoff team, I think. Like they're a wild card team. I think we can pencil out the division. I think that one's that ship sailed. And uh what? Will, oh, I yeah, mean, no, the, the ship So right now no, the Braves have no. a twenty nine percent chance of making the playoffs, a ten percent chance of winning the division. The Mets odds are up to eighty percent. That is higher than the Brewers, <laughs> where a division is closer. That is higher than most divisions in baseball the astros don't even have that the white Sox are right around there at 70 percent in the al central and the yankees are at 61 percent in the al east um it's may 14th man i i'm just, may 14th i'm not games. you can't get back those 37 games and i know no of course not but i mean at the same time it's like this is a team that that all of it as long as they stay close i mean they're four games back as it stands right now and i think this team is perfectly capable of figuring all of their crap out they definitely can. And I mean, you look at the Nationals from a couple of years ago, back in 2019, when they won the World Series. This was a team that was absolutely terrible. And then do you have like, it was like, well, hold on. They, also spent, they were like 19. They were, and- they were expensive. They had top of the line starters. They had a lot of guys that just weren't performing and they were going to spend their way out of it. And they also had, I, I think they just had more talent, top veteran heavy talent. Um, they had the shirts removed. They had guys that they went all in. That was an all in team. The Braves are not all in. No, but I mean, they, they also adjust it. I mean, they could, they very well could be. I mean, like this is a team, I mean, if you go out and they make some moves at the trade deadline, I don't know who they'd acquire. I got to look into it a little bit more, but you go out and if there are some like clear and obvious holes, which we do have, if they can go out and get some impact players, like some bullpen guys, maybe jump on a starter or something like that. And something that'll change the mentality of this team. Then all of a sudden you could see this team just turn on the jets and they'll be fine. Get to the playoffs and that's what, and then you'll figure it out from there. But I mean, I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I mean, I'm I'm a little upset. I'm frustrated, but I'm not saying that. Oh, well, there goes the division. I I just can't possibly say that. No way. Not not until August. Clairvoyant Chase is uh, not going to pivot off this one. Unfortunately, (laughs) Clairvoyant Chase is not going to pivot off this one. We have to come up with a bad idea. The Braves win the division, and if they don't, for Garrett and I, we'll we'll work workshop it. Um, if, those, if those odds are ten percent, he's got to get a little bit of a. I got to get the yeah. Oh, I mean, it's not. It's not likely they win the division, but it's not out of the question. No, we're only four games back, man. <laughs> we'll be all right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We haven't even played the Mets in a series yet. <laughs> I, so it's like that's that's the thing. <laughs> I can't. It's I can't just right? pencil it out. Yeah, we play them next week. I mean, shit. We might go out and get swept by them, and then I'll come back to this podcast and be just. I have my head in my hands, but I mean, you never know. All of a sudden, you you play them three, four games. You went, you sweep them. All of a sudden, we're top of the division. So it's baseball, man. This is a it's the ebbs and flows of the sport. 
It's the way she goes. Max, true or false? Yes. Brian Snicker is the manager of the Atlanta oh, Braves. Man. Come on. Come in on. In October, like mm. this season? Mm. True. Okay. Garrett, what do you think? Absolutely. Come October, yeah, no question. I think I mean, false. like if he... Dang. All right. False. To be I fair, you, you did say the same thing with Lloyd Pierce, and that was correct. <laughs> I well, we, we can already see where this is going. And basketball coaches matter far more than baseball managers. And uh, he has not had a great year. And you have guys like Washington and Wise who are just on the bench. Like, they could easily replace him. Like, I, I don't think... Uh, I think there's going to be a fall guy when the division, uh, when they get like eight or nine games out of the division, like he's going to be the fall guy. It's, I mean, we talk awesome. about, we talk about Liberty media, media, excuse me, not t- like spending a lot of money, but this is also the most expensive Braves roster ever, I believe. So, well, hold on. You if have you, to, you have we're to also like 13, for, we're 13th in the league or something like that. So it's like, I think this well, is one of the so, higher ranking during the Liberty media era or because Ted Turner's, uh, Roster. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Of the Liberty Media okay. era, that's what okay. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's been it's they have they have increased the the payroll every single year. Um, but the, but what I'm saying is that with that kind of financial investment comes a lot of expectations. So I see what you're saying, and this team is on the cusp of World Series contention. Are they absolutely, without a doubt, should be? Um, and I actually saw a tweet. It was some. It was, it was definitely a joke, but. Um, it was basically saying that the Atlanta Falcons were blo- finding ways to lose games and blow leads late. And then they fired Dan Quinn. And then all of a sudden you have Raheem Morris and that kind of figured itself out a little bit. And the team started to win some more. And then you have the, uh, well, as much more as you possibly could have. And then, and then you have Lloyd Pierce who gets fired, find what finds ways to lose games, gets canned. Then all of a sudden the Hawks are, are winning games. Then it's like, Oh, next up Snitker, which I mean, I, I thought it was a little, morbid but because <laughs> i think Stitker is by far and away the better coach of the the three guys um so mm. but I, well better than dan quinn and better than uh oh i would disagree Lloyd pierce dan quinn with the super bowl dan quinn wasn't bad oh, no 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 dan no. quinn i i would love to go on a dan quinn uh tirade about how he's all secretly well, i'm always saying he's coach. not worse than <laughs> and also i just i'm not sure the value of major league baseball managers anymore like i, I just That's, don't understand well, uh, I don't know. There's definitely there is value. Like there's I would rather some, Alex Anthopoulos be able to text in the lineup and be able to make the in game adjustments. Would any of you guys disagree that Alex Anthopoulos would be better suited to just make all the changes in game? <laughs> You're out of your mind. <laughs> no, I I trust him way more. I would absolutely pick no. Alex Anthopoulos. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> oh man. No, I I'm but. The point is, I'm not. I'm. I, I still think that Snit's going to be this head coach. I think he's going to be here. The players love him. They absolutely adore him. The fans. Oh, I seem to recall most fans coach that the players. Yeah, loved. wait, didn't. Yeah. Well, Dude, but I what I'm it. saying, but what I'm saying is, like, you have Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Cunha. Those those voices carry a lot of weight. And well, Freddie, you Freeman saw that. I mean, be a brave after this year. Ah, I'm not. I'm not prepared for a world that Freddie Freeman is not an Atlanta Brave. I, well, you I, need to prepare, yeah, sir. Because price tag, contract his, negotiations have broken just down, sir. Well, I don't. I don't fully buy into all that. I. I, I he's going to be a brave. He's going to be a brave. I, if he's not, I'd be shocked. Um, uh, longer tenure in Atlanta, Freddie Freeman or Brian Snicker? Freddie oh, Freeman. I would say Freeman. If I had to pick between the two, yeah, because you think Snicker's gone by October. Yes, I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would actually be shocked if Snickers. No, because this team's going to be hoisting a World Series trophy. I mean, that'd be awesome. I would love God, I hope so, man. 
I was thinking about that the other day. What do you guys think? What would be the best? I think it's Falcons for me still. Falcons. I think it's one. still Falcons, right? Like, a, which title would mean the most? I think it's I think it's Falcons still. <laughs> Braves or Falcons? Braves or Falcons? Braves or Falcons? Isn't that weird? I, could, I enjoy. I might I might cry ugly tears. Else. I would cry ugly tears if the Falcons won a, won a Super Bowl. Like it would. But the Hawks, the Hawks winning the NBA title by would would be far and away the most improbable of those. Yes. Which is oh just yeah. It would, it would be, it would be weird. Crazy. It would, yeah, it would be like if it would feel wrong. I think. Right. It's like the Raptors winning with Kawhi. It was just one of those things where like the Toronto Raptors won a world like a world title. That's just weird to just say that like the Toronto Raptors like they were so bad for so long. It'd be like the Memphis Grizzlies, I think, too, maybe doing it. Um, speaking of the Falcons, though, we'll end with this. The schedule release has come out. Um, they're practicing Flowery Branch. I'm growing on the uniforms, guys. I don't know about you. But outside of the gradient monstrosities, the yeah. the uniforms are growing on me. Um, Seeing them on the field changed yes. it. I mean, the, it was that it was that one leaked photo mm-hmm. that they had of of the one dude like from behind. It was ugly photo. It was grainy. It looked bad. And then I think that kind of changed the perception of everybody. And then obviously people are going to crap on it. Half the people are going to hate it, and half the people are going to absolutely fawn over it. But I think a lot of people came around. I me me specifically like like you just said too and uh once you saw him on the field it looked better see him in action did you see schultz take away or he pointed out that uh the the falcons did not include julio in the 17 game preview on their site and then they inserted him in after did you see that i it's weird it's weird it's a little creepy i don't know i don't know i don't like that i don't like that it makes me get i get i get goosebumps because i don't want i don't want julio to leave man i need him i need him in a falcons jersey but okay let's a, do this let's do this there's a very realistic julio. chance i'm gonna add julio in here julio snicker freeman <laughs> <laughs> most likely freeman. to be gone in the next six months julio. Who is it? Julio, oh julio but, yeah julio wow. it is it has to be i mean snit snit's gonna be the head coach of the, of the atlanta braves next mm. year um Freddie Freeman's going to be a brave until he retires. And then mm. you're going to have, or maybe unless he has like one of those like extraneous adventures at the end of his career. Um, but no, Julio, Julio Jones, I, I I'd give him, I've moved up. I was 50, 50 at one point, but I, I'm, I'm giving it like a 75% chance that he's not on this roster. True or false. Uh, and same, same, Hawkins. same exact number. Javion yeah. Hawkins leads all Falcons running backs in total yards as well. I really like Javion Hawkins. Same. I don't know how he didn't get drafted. He was he was pegged as like a six round guy, fifth round, and we got him as an undrafted free agent. He is one of the steals of the draft. I have to say, I mean the guy. I'm all he, in. He, I I like him. I like him. I I don't think it's Mike Davis who's going to lead the the he's going to lead the touches. I mean like he has to that he's getting the money. But Javion Hawkins, I mean I I could see him like realistically coming in and and creating some noise especially if, if there's an injury or something and he has to step up because then javian hawkins can really jump in uh but he's definitely gonna be a draft and stash kind of guy for fantasy football i'll tell you that much yeah i um malik hooker still sitting out over there like i don't know about you guys still a little concerned i don't want to throw richie grant out there it doesn't look like carmen's gonna start it looks like it'll be eric harris and jalen hawkins and i don't know if i'm comfortable with hawkins and you got Isaiah Oliver at one of the corner spots, which I'm still. Uh, and then we got Fabian Moreau. I wish uh, Darkwise and Denard was still back with this team. I really liked him last year. Has um, he resigned anywhere? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think he has. I mean, he. I mean, I guess. Are you a Kendall I, Sheffield I, guys? Because I'm not Kendall Sheffield guy either. I, I am a Kendall Sheffield guy okay. actually. I, 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 not, not in the sense of like 
he's you know he deserves a guaranteed spot right now but in the sense of like i'm not sure we've actually seen a prolonged stretch of him being healthy and seeing what his talent can do um so i believe in it okay the wolverine cheering for the buckeye crazy to think about i know (laughs) it's gonna be really weird guys seeing the numbers i'm already seeing like seeing pitch with eight is gonna take some getting used to it's very strange I'm all in. I'm all in on Kyle Pitts number eight. Like just <laughs> all, everything about it. It's just we're gonna have to get reconditioned, right? Like the ads on jerseys took a while, and then you're just like you don't even notice it anymore. Like we won't notice it, and it's just weird because we don't notice it in college football. I've never once been like, whoa, number ninety-eight. Um, who was that? Devin Gardner, like that, nah, that quarterback. Single digits on the defensive line. Yeah, we don't notice it. <laughs> No, that's badass. If you're if you're wearing a single digit on the defensive line, you know that guy is gonna that guy's really damn good. Or you <laughs> know that guy's eating a lot. There's never been a guy who's a single digit defensive lineman who's not just eating pancake after pancake all day long. Oh yeah, you can't I'll be eating up it. offensive linemen. That's what they that's what they're doing. You can't wear a, a single digit and not be good. If you are, that's like a slap in the face of football gods. All I know is I've already, I've already, uh, I've already come to grips with how much money I'm gonna have to spend on Kyle Pitts in my my fantasy auction draft, and I'm just—it's a sunk cost at this point. It's already done. <laughs> Interesting. So, do you do the auction draft? You do like what? Do, what oh, kind of league? Oh, do you yeah. play? Okay. If if you're not doing an auction draft, like like you're you're playing, like you're you're playing playing in the shallow end of the pool. <laughs> What's your budget? Two hundred dollars. Two hundred bucks. Shit. So it's like wow. Is it blind? So it's blind, or is it like just people? You you guys have never done auction draft. I have never, never the auction. I, oh I do auction God. free Wait. agency. I do if auction you, free if, agency. If you go, well, auction free agency is good too. But if you go to auction draft, I I promise you, you will never go back. It's mm. it's a hundred times more strategic, way more fun. Uh, that makes sense. That does. I guess that makes sense. You can just go all in on certain positions and maybe yeah you, you you have access to everybody in the draft you could theoretically there's if there's someone you want theoretically you can go get them you just for the for the right price what happens if you say you like run I don't know uh, does it go one player at a time or do you just go in and like hey these are someone, all of the someone players. nominates a player they start the bidding the bidding you know you can click bid this much you know you can enter a dollar amount and how much how long does that try. take. You know, you know, not that much longer than a, than a normal draft. There's still a clock and a time, and a, huh. you know, it moves along. I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued. We got to talk more about this once we we get a little closer to uh, football season. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll convert both of you for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm a kind of a I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to snake drafts, man. He's also a traditionalist when it comes to managers being necessary in baseball. That is another big and game. wearing jerseys. Yeah, that's just an insane. We, I, <laughs> it's a beautiful day here. I'm not getting angry about oh, it's baseball. It's baseball, man. It's baseball. They they gotta wear their jerseys. They don't. They look good. They don't look good. None of that is. I true. like it. Garrett like is just it. living. In, what is more egregious, Max? We'll end here because <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Managers wearing uniforms or Garrett not understanding that he's a redhead, which is more. Egregious? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll I'll go with managers because mm. Garrett knows his hair color better than I do. But all, <laughs> all I know is I'm I'm looking at a picture of Garrett right now, and you know, it looks pretty red. That's all. I y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> this is incredible. I don't know what kind of dysmorphia we call this, but uh, hair color dysmorphia was not something I thought we would touch on in this very podcast. But it's uh, it's incredible. I'm I'm here for it, guys. That is all we've got today. Max Markovich, 
Garrett Chapman. Thank you as always. We'll be back next week, hopefully with some Braves wins, and then we get a big Hawks playoff preview. Like I'm excited. Oof. We get Hawks playoff basketball right around the corner. Um, I'm excited about all that, and then we get some Falcon stuff. Fingers crossed on injuries as they start working out again because this is like the scariest time with that non-contact stuff like that. Um, so fingers crossed on that front. But uh, thank you as always, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.